You don't get it, son. This isn't a mud hole. It's an operating table. And I'm the surgeon. in broad daylight. I know why you're afraid to go out at night. The Batman. See, Batman has shown Gotham the true colors. starts. The fever, the rage, the feeling of powerlessness that turns good men cruel. Welcome, citizens of Gotham, back to the Eternal Night, a podcast dedicated to the world's greatest detective, the Dark Knight of the DC Universe, Batman. As you all know, I am one of your hosts. My name is Philip Parker, alongside my heroic co-host, the one and only Craig Blaylock. Craig, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. I'm excited to talk some more Batman. Oh, we got a lot of Batman talk today. Yeah, speaking do. of which, speaking of which, we do have a lot of Batman talk today, and we are not alone to talk Batman. We are joined by a very special guest. You've heard him on my other show, Superhero Stress. You've probably heard him on his own show, the Nerd Night of Nations podcast. Welcoming to the Eternal Night, my good friend, Jared Boots. Jared, my man, how's it going? It's going, man. Thank you for putting the Slade signal in the sky. So Jared and I, Craig, I don't know if you know, Jared and I have a, have a back and forth gag about being Batman and Deathstroke in the DC Universe. I, uh, oh, nice. <laughs> Jared, Jared is the Deathstroke to my Batman, and it, it is always a blast whenever I get to talk to Jared about any of this shit. Yeah, it's always a joy to talk to you too, my friend. I missed you, man. It's glad to be back in the radio waves with you. 
And I'm excited to finally talk to Craig now, too, because I've been listening to this show for a long time, and I'm excited to be here with both of you, because I love this show. Well, thank well, you. I appreciate that. We, Craig and I do appreciate that. For anyone who listens to the show, we greatly appreciate it. We're 21 episodes in, you know, fledgling little Batman podcast, but we're we're just hoping to just make some people happy talking about Batman. I'm, I'm glad you enjoy it. You know, you, you were there for your superhero stress. You were there for our Zack Snyder's Justice League episodic review, along with Melissa. So... Hopefully in the future we'll probably do some Batman-centric crossovers if you guys are game. Because I know you and I, Melissa, did Batman Noel one year for Christmas. Yep, and like I told my buddy today when I told him I was going to be on here, I'm like, nobody ever has to twist my arm very hard to talk about Batman. I mean, he's like one of the most unifying superheroes on the planet. Trying to think, so would it be be the EKEU, the Eternal Night Extended Universe... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, something to that effect. <laughs> hey, you guys are always welcome. The door's always open for you guys to come on our show. I know Craig contributed to our uh, time travel movie episode a few weeks back, so that was that was wonderful to have you on there, Craig. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. I loved I liked reminiscing about like what movie would I want to go back and see a reaction in the theater. And I believe I think my choice was Gremlins, if I remember right. Gremlins and Ninja, Ninja Turtles or Ghostbusters? I think it was uh, Gremlins and I think Ghostbusters, yeah. Yeah, Ghostbusters yep. sounds about right because that's like yep. Craig's favorite movie. Yep, favorite movie of all time. I apologize for not being able to do that. I've been in the middle of a move. i got a lot of stuff going on, so I will try harder to be more active in my, my fellow nerds, Night of Nation. See what I did there? All good, bro. (laughs) Let's see what you did there. All good, bro. Like, being an adult sucks, man. So, Oh, tell me about it. Adulting. Ugh, adulting. Rent goes up. Other things happen. Bills come in. It's just not Mm -hmm. fun being an adult. Nope, 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 nope. Nope, 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 nope. Anyway. We are here, as you all know, our last episode was Batman, digitally speaking, Batman Top 5 Batman video games. Um, this episode is a little bit more uh, celebratory, I think would be the best word to say it, because as of tomorrow, it will be a, the six-year anniversary of Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice. Now, I know that Craig, I know that Jared, I know myself are all... Are, all all three of us are very huge fans of this movie we all mm-hmm. very much love what Zack Snyder did with this movie along with Chris Terrio we love Ben Affleck as Batman I know I love Henry Cavill as Superman and you know this this movie had a really large impact on all three of us I, if, if if I'm being brutally honest yeah I would agree with that um, the only unfortunate thing with me with this movie was that I did not get to see it in theaters and that just kills me inside I'm sad you didn't get to see this movie in theaters. I saw it three yep. times. Yep. I, I wanted to. It was just everything going on in my life at that time. I just, I had no opportunity to go to a movie theater. There was that damn adulting stuff again. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad you still watch it. I'm glad you enjoy yeah. it. I just hope that one day they get you get to see it in a the theater. Yeah, I know. I, I, You know, that'd be nice if they would do like a, like an anniversary. Oh, hey, you know, for two nights only, you can go back in the theater and see it. Because I would love, just like I got to experience the Batman on IMAX. Oh, man, I'd love to see Batman v Superman on IMAX. I want to say that 
somewhere down the line, I would imagine that if the next Snyder Con were to happen, there's a pretty probable chance that you'd probably get to see Man of Steel, Batman vs. Superman Ultimate Edition, and then Zack Snyder's Justice League in like a, a nine-hour sitting. That's that's my guess. I would honestly be down for that. <laughs> I, would, I would too. Well, because following um, the whole Justice League debacle, I think it was in 2019, there was the first Snyder Con in which you know you saw, or they, they, they saw the people who showed up anyway. Um, there were, The first movie was Dawn of the Dead. I believe the second movie was Watchmen. And then the third movie was Batman vs. Superman. And mind you, it was um, Dawn of the Dead, Watchmen Ultimate Cut, and then BVS Ultimate Edition. And this is actually where, you know, the hype really started to begin for... It continued, it well continued through this this event of, you know, I think it was Zack Snyder himself and a couple other people associated with the movie. Like, they were talking about, like, future plans. Uh, Zack made mention of, like, Barry Allen and Bruce and Cyborg and the Nightmare Timeline, getting on the cosmic treadmill, powering with a mother box, going back in time, and, like, even dropping that little Easter egg of, oh, and by the way, you know, Lois, before this all happens for, you know, Dark Side booms boom tubes into the back cave to kill Lois Lane and everyone's just like oh what <laughs> like that that reaction alone was just bonkers like I, I remember seeing the reaction online thinking oh wow dude had a bold bold vision and it does pay off in Zack Snyder's Justice League to some extent or another well and just like what we said before is I really hope I, I've got to imagine now the Batman has proved it but I you know the Batman the Snyder Cut, Warner Brothers has to be seeing this and going, okay, we need to like let our creators create. It's okay to let them go off and do their own thing. I agree. It, it, I agree with that statement, Craig, because everybody who... It might not hit with everybody, but that those who are going to hit, it's going to hit with, are going to love it. So you know, I mean, yeah. With everybody, but... Those who will love it will love the hell out of it. I mean, it's working. I mean, the Batman is what? I think it's now on track. It's it's surpassed $500 million. I think it's on track for $600 million now, isn't it? Last I checked, it was on track for $700 million. See, then you go. So it's like, you can let your creators go off and do their thing. It's okay. You don't have to follow the formula. And what's funny is, like, I feel like this this movie was, was the one that really set that kind of perspective into motion because absolutely the, the theatrical cut of the movie is is two hours 31 minutes they cut out a good half hour of this movie and then put it back in in the ultimate cut and that's why a lot of people now find the ultimate cut a hell of a lot more watchable mm -hmm. the theatrical cut the theatrical cut takes out some really cool moments from batman um specifically the moment of him like dropping down on a goon and picking him back up with the white eyes that was great um yep. But it also cuts out a really large portion of Superman's story, of Clark Kent being a journalist investigating who the Batman is. You don't get that in the theatrical cut at all. Which sucks. Thanks, Warner. I've been saying for years, probably ever since this film came out, that the biggest villain in the DCEU was Warner Brothers. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I could point a specific finger, but I don't feel like getting that mean today. <laughs> I, I remember seeing that meme. I think I shared it with you, Phil. I think I shared it in the Eternal Night podcast. It was like, show me the best uh, DC EU. You cut, you cut out there, Craig, one more time. 
Oh no, I think Craig might have. Sorry about that. Oh, no, no worries. My, my Skype just decided to hang up for some reason. <sighs> Skype. Yep. The true villain of the internet. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, and then like the meme ends with uh, just showing the WB logo and it's like perfection. Yeah. So like, I think the meme starts with like Shannon Zod and then you could probably throw in Eisenberg's Luthor, Ares, Steppenwolf, and then the next panel is obviously the WB logo. Yeah. Which you can probably throw a ball cap on. It probably wouldn't make much of a difference, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it is It is crazy, though, to, to think and just realize that this movie is already six years old. Right. You know what's even funnier about that? It's six years old. People are still talking about it. Mm-hmm. People still talk about this movie in the same kind of vein that people still talk about The Dark Knight. Even in the same vein that people still kind of talk about Batman 89, but that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But it's so amazing to me that in the six years following its release, it has, at least in my opinion, it's changed the game because, you know, you look at what that movie did opposite to what Marvel Studios has built, and you guys know, Everyone knows who listens to this show. Like, I love Marvel. I love Spider-Man. Spider-Man's my favorite Marvel character ever created. But I am a Batman-biased fan. Like, Batman is my number one. There's no... I have no shame in it. Mm -hmm. I mean, for for goodness sakes, I have a Batman podcast. Do I have a Spider-Man podcast? No, no, I don't. (laughs) But I'll still talk about Spider-Man on my other show, Superhero Stress. Shameless plug. Um, No, like, I think about this movie... And the more I think about it, the more I appreciate it for what it is. And, you know, I do like what Marvel did, how they had their, you know, their few solo movies and they set up to, you know, the Avengers. And that was all fine and dandy, even though Joss Whedon's a pig. But yeah. I think what Batman versus Superman did, I, I and, you know, people can debate me on this all damn day. I don't really care. You know, people have a preference of how to make a superhero universe now, thanks to Marvel, and that's fine. But I think... I think this is just as faithful because if you look at the way DC Comics has done stuff, they didn't have all these individual comics that, you know, kind of weaved and waggered into one big, huge comic. They they literally just went, hey, let's have our biggest characters fight Starro. And they did, yeah. you know? Like, there was no buildup to it. It just happened. Mm-hmm. And so when I think about Batman versus Superman... When the announcement happened, people were shouting World's Finest. And yeah, it kind of is a World's Finest movie, but it's it's not that in title. Would I still love to see a movie encapsulating those two characters and have it be called World's Finest? Sure, sure, absolutely. But the, the, the very concept of this movie isn't necessarily to be the antithesis of Marvel, despite the fact that it is. It really is a showcase of, like, you don't have to do everything the same way across the aisle. Mm-hmm. And what I think what DC has the advantage here is they have some of the best, biggest named characters in the world. So even those who don't read comics know who Batman is, they know who Superman is, they know who Wonder Woman is. So you didn't need this giant, you didn't need 8 to 10, 12 movies to set up for a team up. Honestly, I feel like just the way that because I, I actually went ahead and I rewatched um, BBS um, earlier. Oh no, Craig's Skype is going in and out. This is just great. That sucks. Yeah, 
I should knock on wood to make sure Skype doesn't mess with us in the future. But we'll see. We shall see. I'm editing so also thing too. They know they got the podcast market cornered, so <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, they do. Are you back, Craig? I swear everything is against me today. Literally <laughs> as I was talking, my cat jumped up on my computer and landed on the power button. Oh. Oh no way. <laughs> well, Literally. He jumps up and I just see the computer go shutting down. I'm like, are you kidding me? It's funny because Jared just mentioned that his cat did the same thing on a prior recording about two months ago. Yeah, and he just, my cat looks at me like, what? What'd I do? <laughs> it's like, gee, what do you think you did? <laughs> oh, man. So she's paying attention to me, butthole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he never does this. He never wants to, like, jump up and bother me when I'm on the computer, except when I'm doing a podcast. It's probably because you got a headset on and you're in front of a microphone. He's like, oh, what are you doing? But you're going to have to repeat yourself on Batman vs. Superman. Um, yeah, so it's just, for me, you know, I thought, now that I went back and I rewatched it again, I actually think they did, for the time that they had, they did a good job, in my opinion, weaving these characters into one movie and not having to devote separate films to each one of them. Is it perfect? No. But for what they did... I was totally satisfied with it. The way they integrate Batman, Wonder Woman, and Superman all into one film. I thought it was a great job. I don't, yeah, no, I don't, I don't disagree at all. Like, and even to get like, get into the daily gritty of it. The, the fact that this movie literally blends two of their most iconic stories being the Dark Knight Returns and the death of Superman into one giant three hour movie you know, I, I actually made a similar point today on the Four Nerd Show because we were taught we were doing kind of a similar thing, a Batman v Superman retrospective, and we were kind of reminiscing about it. And for me, I love the idea that they took the two most iconic stories and, and spun them in a, from a modern perspective in that, you know, they kind of changed the way the, the fight rolls out in The Dark Knight Returns where they kind of flip the roles a little bit, whereas, you know, Superman's the one that's in, in the public spotlight. He's the one that's got the media on him as opposed to The Dark Knight Returns where it's Batman. And Batman is actually more of the antagonist in this because he's very trepidatious about Superman's existence, period. Because he's at a point in his crime-fighting career where everything he's done has amounted to SFA. Like, he's mm -hmm. just about done. Like, he's lost Robin. He's dealt with the Joker. He's had 20 years seasoned veteran crime-fighting, and he feels like he's amounted to shit. So, of course, when he sees some dude up there causing all this mass destruction, but hey, you know, dude is saving the world, all things considered... He's literally blinded by the fact that this guy is saving the world in favor of, no, he's just causing too much destruction. And he's like, I've, I've got to do something about this. Otherwise, my, 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 my whole career will mean shit. And to have that kind of bleed into the death of Superman when you bring in, you know, a doomsday clone in the form of Zod's body created by Lex Luthor, who's been pulling the strings the entire time, which I do find intricate entertaining and beautiful because in my humble opinion jesse eisenberg is hands down the most comic accurate lex luther ever put to screen and i don't care if you like okay let me, let me rephrase that because of course i care but if you like gene hackman cool if you like kevin spacey that's you that ain't me yeah that's but, a whole other thing but, but like in terms of just comic book accuracy in terms of character performance in terms of like how i've always seen lex luther eisenberg's luther is burnt
Birthright plus Super Friends Lex Luthor. He's quirky. He's meticulous. Uh-huh. He's maniacal. He's insane, and I love it. I love every yep. bit of him on the screen. His even his his musical cues from Zimmer and, and Hulkenberg. Like it's the opposite of Superman. Yep. I watched, I was able to catch a few minutes of uh, BVS on the TV, the laundromat a few weeks ago. And it was uh, a scene with Eisenberg's Luther and is the right before, uh, right when he's uh, capturing Lois Lane and throwing her off the top of the building. And it it just makes me so sad because it's like he was, I was a little on the fence when he was first cast and seeing the first footage of him. But then when I saw him in the film, especially in the the ultimate edition, he was brilliant. He knocked it out of the park. I did. And I go, it makes me sad that more likely we're not going to get more of him in the future because he absolutely crushed it. Yeah, I I 100% agree with both of you guys on this. Like, he, I was on board with him when I saw it um, from the first trailer, the whole, like, oh, the red capes are coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, in my opinion, it just got better as the film went on. Um, I really liked his interactions with the characters. Um, I particularly liked the scene where um, he is meeting with like the senators and everything. And he's kind of giving them, he's showing them like how he found the kryptonite and like why, what's his reasoning for wanting access to, you know, see Zod's body and all that. It just, it gives you this impression that yes, he is, he's a weird guy, but he has this very dark maniacal side to him that he's keeping away from everybody that nobody can see what he's really up to until his plan unfolds yeah like i said he is hands down my favorite version of lex luthor and you know for a long time i was really into and i still am i still love what clancy brown did with the character and you know the superman the animated series that that's arguably uh, truth be told anything the animated series you could probably make the claim that that is the closest you're going to get to like definitive versions of these characters at least for oh, me oh yeah you know i grew up on animation i'm sure jared and craig probably both did as well because we've all seen that stuff and we will get to the animated series later believe it or not batman the animated series but um in terms of lex luthor I was never too huge on Gene Hackman simply because those movies, they're just well before my time. And I, I don't, mm-hmm. I did not appreciate them as a kid as I do now, but even still, like, I think Gene Hackman, he's, he's fine. Like, I don't really dig the idea of him living in a subway station, <laughs> yeah. you know, like I, I always thought that was kind of a goofy idea. And then, well, Kevin Spacey, that's pretty spoken for. Yeah, for me, see, the thing is, I grew up and I I remember watching, you know, the Christopher Reeves Superman movies and I enjoyed them. I did. I didn't watch them like I don't recall anything memorable from Gene Hackman's performance in those films. Like I remember him as the character, but there is nothing to me that he did that anyone else could have done back then as Lex Luthor. It was basically like, okay, so you're the bad guy, and you you just come up with plots against Superman, and that's really all he did in those movies. He he never really did anything, to in my opinion. You got to respect Hackman, and especially the place those movies serve in the history of the character. Uh, it never seemed like he wanted his Luther did anything big on the level that Eisenberg's did. Yeah, it's all about acquiring land and whatnot. But, but the, the, the you got to respect them for what place they hold in the history of the character, though. 
episode. But like, Eisenberg's do. probably been my favorite live action one. Yeah, and you know, I actually wouldn't have the respect for those movies that I have now, thanks to good friends like Zaki Hassan, Richard Newby, like people who did grow up with these movies and were, you know, very encapsulated by them and very entertained by them. And, you know, they are stepping stones to these characters and, and you know, entertainment. But I think, you know, it's funny, I can remember the, f- the first Superman movie I watched in the movie theater, and it was Superman Returns, and that's kind of where my just, mm-mm, that, ain't, that just ain't uh-huh. it for me. Because when I saw that, like, I remember this clear as day. My, I was in San Jose. I was with my family. I was with my uncle, his friend, and my cousin, and my his brother, and their friend. And we walked out of the theater, and I, I, I didn't feel anything. Like, I, I thought Brandon mm-hmm. Routh was fine as Superman, but I didn't really feel excited. I didn't feel, you know, I, I didn't feel anything for the movie. And I, I remember this clear as day. My cousin, Devin, he, he, like, we all walked out, and nobody said anything, and he goes... Well, Kevin Spacey was a pretty great Lex Luthor, and I turned around and I was like, <laughs> no, 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 he wasn't. I was 14 at the time. I still remember yeah. that. I was like, no, he wasn't. Yeah, see, me, you know, like I said, I grew up, and I, I watched a lot of those, all four, even the bad ones, Superman 3 and Superman 4. As a kid, I watched those all the time. Like the nuclear man fight and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, like... I was really excited for Superman Returns when it was coming out. And man, I tell you, the only thing that I loved about that movie was the opening because I got to hear the Superman theme in a movie theater for the first time. John Williams. Every everything else about that film, absolutely forgettable. I was so disappointed with that film. What was it John Ottoman doing John Williams? It I might have been. I, I, I don't know. Idea. I just, that was the only thing. Like, I remember getting goosebumps sitting in the theater hearing that theme song. And the rest of the movie, I was just like, what, what is this? What am I watching? What, why, what, what, all this, why? So when time came around for Man of Steel, I watched Man of Steel. And I, it was like a complete 180 of feelings. Yep, yep. Like, that's my Superman right there. Like, mm-hmm. that's the Superman I can see from the Fleischer Studios cartoons. That's the Superman I see from the animated series. Yep. And it's it it's it to me it's like a love letter to what Donner did with his first two films. Yep. Cuz I mean, you know, you've got Zod there as the main antagonist for the first film and he was the main antagonist for Superman 2. And like I just really love everything about that movie, like the the opening sequence with Krypton, his landing mm-hmm. on Earth, the whole finding himself, like discovering his, you know, lineage like everything about it just felt superman to me and so when time came for the sequel i was like oh cool well they're doing another superman movie and then it the big reveal happens like san Diego comic con 2013 right like the Zack snyder gets up on the on the stage he goes oh you know we're we're making another superman movie and i'm like oh i remember seeing the reaction actually no before i saw the the video that hit the internet I was refreshing my page for whatever news site I was doing because they were covering it like like 
like minute by minute updates of what was happening at Comic Con, and and I, I remember the, the 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 headline breaking immediately. Warner's announces Superman, not Warner, but Zack Snyder, another Superman movie in the works. Then, like ten minutes later, I see a picture of the logo, and the the headline was Batman slash Superman movie announced by WB Zack Snyder to direct, and I'm just floored, mm-hmm. like. Holy shit, Batman and Superman are going to be in a movie. And mind you, this is coming off of The Dark Knight Rises. Back in 2012, I was not as nice to this movie as I am now. I was very disappointed by that movie. So the entire prospect of a whole new Batman to me was giddy. I was just overjoyed at the idea of seeing Batman and Superman in a movie together. Yeah, and see, for me, I was just, I was kind of the same thing. I was excited to see Batman and Superman in a single movie from the guy that gave me at the time was my favorite superhero movie, man of steel. Yes. Like I just, I'm like, this dude is going to give me Superman and Batman in a single movie. 100% down. Okay. Sign me up. It just pisses me off that we had to wait so long to get Batman and Superman together in a live action film. Cause the character has been around for 70, 80 years at this point. Both yeah. Of them. Yeah. Yeah, and that's funny because they've been trying. They'd been trying since at, at very earliest documented was two thousand one. Wolfgang Van Peterson wanted to do a Batman Superman movie. Um, there's even like a a scrapped teaser poster for said movie in I Am Legend, which is funny to think about. Was that the uh, was that the one they were playing with? Was it with Josh Hartnett and Jude Law? Um, I've heard a couple different castings for a couple different Batman Superman projects. The one I distinctly remember, um was, I think you're right, Hartnett and Jude Law. I think there were also a couple other names in that that could have been it for either role. I think Colin Farrell was actually up for one of them. I don't remember which one specifically. I want to say Batman. But I think... It I could... could kind of see that back then. Back Right, back then? Yeah. Yeah. And I think yeah. the, the plot details that I had seen that were uncovered were, um, I think the Joker... Oh, I don't even remember what what specifically, but like Batman and Superman were for sure gonna fight. Like Lois Lane was dead, and the Joker um, m- murdered like Batman's soon to be wife or something. I I don't really remember like the whole shtick of it, but it sounded fine, I guess. But when it came to this movie, like everything everything that I had felt about you know those two meeting, it was just phenomenal and the 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 opportunities of who who could they fight like who's gonna be the villain like who's gonna who are they gonna go up against because like you you, if you're gonna do a batman superman movie and from a modern perspective nonetheless like yeah they're probably gonna fight and like the way the way Zack snyder presented he was like you know this is not, we're gonna, not going to adapt this page for page, but this is the thing that's going to help tell that story, i.e. The Dark Knight Returns. What happens in that book? Well, Batman and Superman fight to a pretty bloody finish. Which, uh, props to J.L. Leva for directing the hell out of that animated movie. That movie is great. Mm-hmm. But. So I actually just looked up notes about the canceled 2001 Batman v Superman movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, director and screenwriter Akiva Goldsman recently discussed details for this film that never made production. They were quoted as saying, 
I wrote on this version of Batman v Superman around 2001 or 2002 when Colin Farrell was going to be cast as Batman. See, Jude see. Law was going to be cast as Superman. Wolfgang Peterson was directing. We were in prep, and it was the darkest thing you've ever seen. The film started with Alfred's funeral, That's and Bruce was. has fallen in love and renounced being Batman. The Joker returns, kills Bruce Wayne's wife, and then you discover it was all a lie, just that the love itself was constructed by the Joker to break Bruce Wayne. It was a time where you would be able to get these sort of stories together in script form, but they couldn't they couldn't quite land in the world. They don't really go much beyond that, but that was kind of like the initial setup. How Superman ended up getting entangled in that, I'm not sure, but yeah, it definitely would have been a different kind of film. That's yeah, weird. That does sound pretty dark, all things considered. I still give him my ten bucks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey, Batman and Superman in a movie, you got my money. Yeah. And which that would have been really I mean, just think about that. Two thousand and one. Colin Farrell as Batman and Jude Law as Superman. I have a really hard time picturing Jude Law as Superman, especially after Me Captain too. Marvel. I'm trying. I'm trying to like picture that, and that's just something I just can't. Let me pull up a picture of Jude Law right yep. now. Actually, what does he look like now? Don't you dare do it! My cat almost jumped on my computer again. Uh, oh, uh, Get back. yeah. You know, I could see it. I could see Jude Law being Superman. And you know what really it really comes from? It's the fact that he's Dumbledore now. True. Yeah. But yeah, I could have seen him back then being Superman because uh, as of today, as of like now, he's forty nine. Take off, uh, essentially take off twenty years. He was twenty nine back then. Yeah, I could see it. <laughs> it says here the um, original idea for Batman v Superman in the two thousands was originally pitched by. The writer of Seven, Andrew Kevin Walker. That's right. But but his idea was too dark, so Warner Brothers passed it on to Akiva Goldsman. Mm. Mm -hmm. You mean the writer of Seven wrote a darker version of that story as opposed mm. to the guy who wrote Batman and Robin? Color me surprised. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's too funny. This probably just dark by Batman and Robin standards. You know, we were talking before we were recording in that, you know, Akiva Goldsman is, is one of the showrunners, writers, directors of Titans, and it's like, yeah, you really do just like doing the same stuff with Robin over and over again, don't you? <laughs> Why does your Robin always have a chip on his shoulder? Right? Right? Why? I don't know. Oh, wait. Oh, my God. This this is this movie, I okay, I, I don't know if I would have been on board with this film now, because now it's saying... Um, Meanwhile, in Clark Kent's life in this 2001 film, he would have been going through a divorce from Lois Lane oh, shit. and spending spending time around Smallville, reconnecting with his original love, Lana Lang. Oh, okay. the, trigger, the trigger of the story would have been the murder of Bruce Wayne's wife by the Joker, who would have been brought back to life by Lex Luthor. What? Oh, my God. So they would have been going with the night... Oh. It would have been following... The 1989 Batman movie. Really? Yep. It says, uh, in this version of the film, Batman, played by Colin Farrell, has been retired for five years following the deaths of Dick Grayson, Jim Gordon, Alfred Pennyworth, while the Joker was presumed dead after falling to his death at the end of the 1989 Batman movie. So they were oh going to take that God. as canon. Oh, ow, my head hurts now. <laughs> 
Superman would then learn that the terrorist he once stopped a mob from murdering was the Joker. So in a way, he's responsible for the Joker's return as he saved his life. Bruce then goes back to being Batman and is determined to kill the Joker, but Superman won't let him become a murderer, so they have a fight. Even though they both know their fight is pointless, Batman tries to kill Superman with kryptonite. This sounds... This sounds... Oh my god, thank god they passed on this. Holy crap. Yeah, and people say Zack Snyder screwed up Batman and Superman. That's funny. (laughs) For real. (laughs) This is too funny. And it's even funnier now, because like, in the in the years that this movie's released, like you know, people always like to talk about, oh, you know, it had a huge second week drop. That's true. It had like you know, really awful rotten scores. Yeah, that's true too. But guess what? Mm-hmm. This movie had a really huge heart targeted hate campaign against it from before it even started production. Oh yeah, people were hating on this film. I would say this was almost on par with the 2016 Ghostbusters movie. Okay, this yeah. movie had people wanting to hate it from the moment it was announced. I agree. I feel like I've been defending this. I was defending this movie for years and years after it even came out to people. Go, oh, it's a bad movie. How is it a bad movie? And people can never give you a logical explanation why it's a bad movie. Batman kills. That's usually uh, one of the, the go-to things that people love to fall on, even though he's killed in other movies, folks. I'm sorry to tell you. Michael yeah. Keaton care, kills his fair share of people. So thank you, Craig, for bringing up that hypocrisy, number one, because... <laughs> This this is part of the segment because, you know, favorite fan outcries. This shit never gets old with this movie. Like, people always have the same talking points when it comes to this movie. Oh, man. Zack Snyder killed Jimmy Olsen. Oh, man. He killed Dick Grayson. He doesn't understand these characters. It's like, I, I, I shit you not, guys. I saw someone on Twitter try and say that Dick Grayson and Jimmy Olsen are in the same exponential category of iconic supporting characters i'm just like no (laughs) no 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 you could you could maybe make the argument for dick grayson but not jimmy olsen i'm sorry that's jimmy olsen yes yes, he is a character that is well known in the superman universe i'm not going to shed a bunch of tears for the death of jimmy olsen i'm i'm sorry (laughs) he's not that important to the overall world of superman you guys want a hot take Mm. jimmy olsen hasn't been relevant to superman since the animated series yeah for real yeah like look he's a photographer he's a photojournalist who follows lois lane around and takes pictures of things in superman okay you know who else can do that joe schmo with a cell phone (laughs) yeah like jimmy olsen's irrelevant i'm sorry i'm sure that's probably gonna piss a lot of people off but that's just my opinion. Like, I don't think he's a relevant character anymore. Dick Grayson, yeah, there's an argument to me to be made there. He's Nightwing. He's taken up the cowl before. One hundred percent. I can I totally understand the gripe of not having Dick Grayson be the be in the universe. I get it. One hundred percent. But at the same time, like I still kind of go back to any it's the it's the idea of losing an adopted child, if not just a child in general. That would devastate any parent adopted or not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And not only that, like, you know how many people in the general audience actually legit know that Dick Grayson is frickin' Nightwing? Not too many. Yeah, not many. People still go, Dick Grayson? Robin, right? Sure. And then someone like you or me or Jared go, oh, well, you know, there's Dick Grayson, Jason Todd, Tim Drake, 
because you know because oh i almost said cassandra kane she's batgirl um carrie <laughs> kelly stephanie brown damian wayne like yeah there's a few you know how many people actually give a damn not yeah. too many uh, I remember about the time this film came out, I had a friend ask me, hey, what's Batman's relationship with Robin? Oh. To which my response was, which one? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and she goes, what? She goes, there's more than one? I go, I, I, I listed off at least five. I didn't say Stephanie Brown, but I listed Carrie Kelly and Dick and Jason and Damien and uh, Tim Drake. And she's like, oh, okay, what about? I go, it's more of an adopted father type relationship, you know, so. Except for Damien, which is legit father son. Right, right. Yeah, no. and I gotta say, honestly, Snyder at least he at least tried to do something. Uh, at least give Jimmy Olsen a little bit of somewhat of a character besides the dude who takes pictures alongside Lois Lane. Granted, it's only a couple minutes in that film, but at least he was doing something other than just "Hi, I'm the guy sitting standing next to Lois and Lane taking pictures." You know what's really ironic about that part? Like Snyder's even come out and said as such. Like, look, I, I'm telling a story with very specific characters. I'm going to unite the Justice League. We're going to have Dark Side. We're going to fight Dark Side with the whole planet. The whole world becomes a Justice League. That's great. But like, as far as Jimmy Olsen goes, as far as the context of the movie goes, pay close enough attention to that movie. That dude isn't even really Jimmy Olsen. He he's not. It. No, he's yeah. he's a CIA yeah. spook who was yeah. sent there to yeah. like get information. And people are like, man, Zack Snyder killed Jimmy Olsen. I'm just like, shut up. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. At least it was something different than just the dude that goes along with Lois and takes pictures for her. Like, like your point exactly. So I'd never even translated it as it being legit Jimmy Olsen. Yeah, like just a, a, this that probably was just that Jimmy. was his code name, probably. Oh, but then you got the real smart-ass people who are like, well, he's credited as Jimmy Olsen. <laughs> and it's like, okay, idiot, watch the freaking movie and tell me that one yeah. more time. <laughs> Stupid. The, the the pointless, dim-witted arguments that have spawned from this movie just make me laugh. And it, Craig's point earlier, Batman doesn't kill, Batman doesn't use guns, the Batmobile doesn't have guns on it, uh, the Anton first Batmobile had guns on it, shut your mouth, uh, Keaton. the Tumblr had cannons on it, shut <laughs> your mouth. Keaton had machine guns on his. Yeah, he may not have uh. shot anybody, but he, he still blew up a whole factory full of people. <laughs> Keaton lit a man on fire with his <laughs> with his Batmobile. He lights a dude on fire and right. leaves him to burn. Right. <laughs> to be fair, that guy was already lighting fires already with his mouth. So. True. But Jared, Batman but, doesn't kill. Yeah. <laughs> I can't well, really I guess, finish uh, it. Yeah. <laughs> but see, somebody would turn and say that. Somebody would say, well, it wasn't his fault because the guy was lighting fires. So <laughs> they would take the Nolan approach of him. I... I'm not going to kill you, but I don't have to save you. You know what's funny about Nolan's version of Batman? Mm. He lit a whole temple of people on fire, too. Yeah. yeah. But he, he wasn't Batman then. At the very beginning, before he was even Batman. <laughs> yeah, it's, again, the hypocrisy, the straight-up hypocrisy surrounding this movie never ceases to amaze me, ever. Now, look, I'm not at all saying that Batman gunning down a whole, like, truck full of people with a Gatling gun shooting at him is like appropriate. But at the same time, like this is a 20 year veteran Batman who's just sick and tired of dealing with shit. And if you're going to shoot a Gatling gun at him, 
you better expect some kind of consequence. Mm-hmm. Granted, yeah, it may again go against his moral code in the comics, WTF ever, but it's 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 just such a small thing to just get so bent out of shape over. Well, the thing is, too, they address it in Batman vs. Superman with that wonderful scene with him and Alfred. Right. You know, you know, I have our rules changed and he looks at Alfred and goes, we've always been outlaws. We've always been criminals. Nothing's changed. Yeah. Nothing's changed. And then that's when Alfred does the whole, you know, the fever, the rage turns good men cruel. And like, that's exact. That's the point of Batman's presence in the film. (laughs) That's the whole reason why he's there he's done he is so fed up he is at he is beyond his breaking point and this alien that has landed on their planet and just caused thousands of deaths have made him realize i need to do more on the other end i can't be the defender and follow my one rule anymore things have changed Yeah, no, I can't, I can't. I can't disagree. I mean, what's funny is like there's a whole arc there for Batman, and people just completely ignore the shit out of it, mm-hmm. for just just for the pure sake of bitching about it. Oh, Batman doesn't brand criminals. It's like Batman breaks bones on a regular <laughs> basis. Yeah. What are we talking about here? Yeah. Like he's one of the most brutal fighters in the DC universe. Like he's not past punishing people like he goes out every night dressed like a bat to deliver justice he puts people in hospitals for goodness sake like mm-hmm. look what do you what do you want him to do hit people with a pillow like <laughs> shit man i just I, I i i don't get it i i really really don't get it and the whole like oh batman doesn't use guns bullshit go read a freaking comic book he's been using yeah. guns he's used guns in the before he's used guns in your the whole cover of year two is him holding a pistol like get real but i digress but if he if he hits people with pillows, people would bitch, oh, this is stupid. He's hitting people with pillows and beating them up. <laughs> well, now and I'm again, gonna... it's it's the it's the hypocrisy, man. Like I love the fact that people were so adamant about Batman and Superman not killing people, and like and Man of Steel got his criticism for, oh man, Superman's letting all these people die and he's causing all this destruction when he's fighting his own Kryptonian people for the first time in his life, he's getting thrown around. This is his first like encounter with something that is equal to his strength. Right. So of course things are going to get destroyed. Of course he's going to try to save people, but in that situation, how can he, when he is just getting thrown all over the place? You got to think if he stops fighting Zod and the other and his followers, how many more people will die if Zod does win? So he, it is going to be some collateral damage, acceptable losses, and that kind of stuff. It sucks that he can't save everybody at once, but if he doesn't try to stop Zod, then more will die than who have died already. Oh, and the funny thing is, I shit you not, and Phil, you're going to laugh at this. I shit you not. I've seen people, the argument that they say, well, why can't they... Why can't he do what they do in Dragon Ball Z? Why can't he lead the villain? 
far away to an area where there's no he tried that there's no collateral it's like he, he tried that he, he tried that <laughs> that was the whole point of the film yeah oh my yeah you know what right because that's that's how you get the batman easter egg because he mm -hmm. tried taking Zod up into space. Guess what? Zod came right back at him and landed right back on Earth. Right. Yep, came right back. And again, now that I've, you know, I, I haven't watched Batman v Superman for a while. So this was my first time watching it from beginning to end in some time today. Mm -hmm. All of it plays together. The wanton destruction in Man of Steel is what leads to Batman reaching his breaking point. Because, like I've said in previous episodes, I adore the opening to Batman v Superman. Because, to me, it is the truest definition of who Batman is. The fact that Bruce, in the middle of all of this insane destruction that's going on, is going towards the danger because he wants to try to save as many people as he can. And that whole scene, him driving into the chaos running into the destruction, helping the guy that got his legs broken, saving the little girl, and that look that he gives. I can't get over that look. When he looks up in the sky and he's holding that little girl, you just know that this has been the point where Batman is going to be doing things differently. Well, even like the, the musical cue behind it is, dun, yes. yeah. dun, 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 dun. It's like, ooh. Batman's going full dark. He realizes this huge threat that is something he never planned for, and now he has to come up with something to combat basically a living god. And then one, one quote that stuck with me that Batman says in this film was, uh, even if there's a 1% chance, we have to take it as an absolute certainty. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I think it justifies it all right there. He's doing this because if there's a slight chance that he could turn evil, who's gonna, who's gonna, what's gonna be the defense against him? Superman turn evil? No kidding. Yeah, <laughs> and that's the thing. That's what Batman, and that's the thing I think a lot of people miss. That's what Batman does. That's who he is. He plans for every possible outcome. I just watched actually last night. Uh, before I went to bed, um, while I was uh, doing some cleaning around my apartment, uh, for the first time in a while, I watched um, the animated movie Doom. Oh, Justice League Doom? Yeah. Oh, God, that movie's great. Perfect, perfect example. Batman, even though he has allies, he has to have contingency plans for everything. He is dealing with superhumans, these beings who, at the turn, a flip of a coin could just go eight on us and just go and destroy everything. So he needs to have a plan to combat them. I actually haven't watched that movie in a good minute. That's Vandal was, Savage and it, like the yep. rest of the Legion of Doom, right? Yeah. Yep. It was Vandal yeah. Savage forging the Legion of Doom to take out the Justice League. And I, I forgot. It's been probably four or five years since I last watched it. I had a great time watching that last night. You know what's funny? That movie actually turns 10 this year. We might have to do that on the show. I would love to do a commentary. I, I thought that was that was one of the best DC animated movies. I'd put it up there with, like, Under the Red Hood. Yeah. That, Under the Red Hood, 
both parts of the Dark Knight Returns, like yeah, phenomenal movies, absolutely just astonishing, phenomenal, and it's actually really clever how they managed to do that too, because you have Mirror Master stalking in the mirror of the Batmobile, mm-hmm. and that's how he gets the plans from the Batcave, and even bat- at the end of the movie, like Batman's like, yeah, it's my fault, I screwed up, but like I'm still not mad about it because if you guys ever went evil, I'd totally do something to handle it. Oh, and the thing was, too, he even had a... <laughs> that's the funny thing. He even had a contingency plan for himself. And it's he literally yeah. plans for everything. And I really... the Nothing struck harder to me than the ending of that when after everything is said and done and Superman's like, all right, well, we need to vote on whether we keep Batman in the Justice League or not. And Wonder Woman's like, well, no, let the accused you know, speak his piece. And Batman's just like, nah, I, I did it. I don't regret it. I would do it again. And if you all can't understand that, I'm out. And he just walks out. Yeah. That's who Batman is. Oh, yeah. And another point that people just love to complain about in BVS that just makes me laugh. People, people, when I say people, I mean diehard Superman fans. The diehard Superman fans that constantly complain about Superman even showing any other kind of emotion other than chipperness or happiness in this movie. I know. Yeah. I, I, I'm just over it. And even, like, the red trunkers, I'm just like, uh, all right, be yeah. quiet. Like, uh, enough's enough. Like, the trunks look ridiculous. Let's move past it. I mean, yeah. hey, Ralph pulled it off in, in Christ and Infinite Earth with the Kingdom Come suit. Look great. Don't get me wrong. But when it comes to this version of Superman and people like, oh, man, why is he so mopey? Or why doesn't he smile? I'm just like... But he's a person for once. I was like, we're really doing this right now. Yeah. He's a person. He has other emotions besides being chipper and happy and, you know, America baseball, you know, all that good stuff. I think what the people say that Snyder doesn't get these characters, I think he does. Because you, did you, would you really think that if a Superman does exist, that the world's going to welcome him with open arms? Hell no. no. We would be terrified. I mean, I wouldn't, but I know a lot of other people would. Yeah. It would just, it would change everything. We would would freak out. We would try to destroy that with no question. (laughs) Which is funny because, like, it's super funny because you look at the Christopher Reeve movies and, like, they do a pretty good job of humanizing Clark Kent, too, in, in, in the first film especially. The second film's, depending on which cut of the movie you watch, it's questionable. But -hmm. definitely the first movie, for sure. Like, he even risks turning back time just to save Lois Lane. It's ironic, considering what happens and, you know, what was to happen in Justice League Part 2 and 3. But that's besides the point. The point is, like, it's so funny to me that people have this just superb, narrow-minded version of what Superman is, quote, supposed to be, unquote. And... To me, I've never seen the character that way. I've never, ever, 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 nope. ever considered him like the American Boy Scout. He's because that's just too that's just too simple. That's just way too narrow minded. It's just way too. It's, I don't know. Like I think that's even just making it almost too political because like he's a world hero. He is for humanity. Like, uh-huh. yes, he was raised in Kansas. Yes, he had adoptive parents that were farmers. Yes, he has these very specific ideals of being a better person. But that's that's just it right there. 
Like, he is supposed to be the best of humanity, not the best of American humanity, just the best of humanity in general. Yep. But just like humanity, he has his flaws and he has Correct. his moments of weakness. Correct. And, and I thought, and in, my, in my personal opinion, that is what Snyder nailed in Man of Steel with the whole contra. And this is another thing that I remember people freaking out about him killing Zod. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. The amount of outrage I saw online when this movie came out. Oh my God. Superman kills Zod. This is a, a, a how, how can Snyder do this? He's, he's turned Superman into a murderer and I'm sitting there going, did you watch the film? The dude is struggling so hard. He wants to keep Zod alive because they are the last of their kind. But Zod is so obsessed now because he's lost his opportunity at bringing Krypton back that he just straight up tells Superman, if you don't stop me, I'm going to eradicate this entire planet. Mm -hmm. this, in, this entire race of beings that you have been protecting, I am going to annihilate them unless you stop me. And as much as he tried, he gets pushed to his breaking point and he realizes the only way he can stop him is to kill him. Yep. And he even after that part literally gave me goosebumps after he snaps his neck and everything goes quiet and he just yells because he just realized he killed the only other person of his species. Yep. He is now 100% alone. Mm-hmm. That was such a powerful moment for me, and in my opinion, was one of the standout moments in that entire movie. Well, I mean, it's it's it speaks to what Superman was brought up to. Like, you know, he finds yeah. out about his lineage, but at the same time, like now he's presented with with choice, like, and with those choices come consequences. Yep. And he has to make the difficult decision to your point. Like Zod wasn't going to stop. That much was abundantly no. clear. Right. And people just have this massive cow over it. Like, no, he could have found a different way. It's like, no, no, he couldn't have no matter. And he what now way you... go ahead. Go ahead. It's like, it's like no matter what way you want to try and spin it. No, there wasn't any other way. And here's another kicker folks. Read a comic book. He's killed Zod before. Granted, it was with a box of kryptonite and Zod was from a pocket universe, but even still, like, he's killed before. This is not new to Superman. And, well, and the you thing know, is, too, the funny thing, it's the complete opposite of Batman and the Joker. Batman, how many times have we seen it? You've seen it in Under the Red Hood where, um, you know, they, he confronts him about the fact that, like, Every time that you don't kill the Joker and you put him away and he gets out, you add dozens and dozens of people to his body count. And so many people have suffered and died because you won't make the decision to end the life of this absolute lunatic. Superman was basically faced with the same dilemma. Zod is just as powerful, if not more powerful than Superman at that time during their conflict. Mm -hmm. So unless he took a drastic measure, they were going to continue to just have this never-ending fight that could literally go across the planet. Mm -hmm. I mean, they could punch each other into other countries at this point. So countless thousands of people could have died even more than what already happened in the film. But he made the decision, I have no choice. 
this is never going to end. I have to end it. And in all due respect, he made the choice that Batman never did. And that's the thing. That's what really separates the two of them is like Batman won't cross that line. Superman will, but only if it means some semblance of peace or if it even means that it's for the greater good. He may not like it, yep, but he's going to do it anyway. And that's and, and even to your point, like people also have a cow about like you know the whole conversation between Pa Kent and John and 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 Clark in Man of Steel, where he's like, "Should I have just let them die?" And and yeah, John's like, and, yeah, I "Maybe don't know. I don't <laughs> yeah, know." Maybe. Right? Like people always cling on the maybe. They always forget to say the "I don't know" part, and that's mm-hmm. what I find super funny is that you know, look at it from a modern perspective, like. If you had an adopted kid who was an alien and showcased all these superb powers, I mean, yeah, happy at the fact you saved a bus full of people, sure. What the hell does that mean if the news finds out? What the hell does that mean if the government finds out? Yep. In a world where everybody videotapes everything Mm -hmm. and you could find anybody at the click of a button, which he was right to think that, man, do I risk my child, this this child that I have taken care of my entire life, do I risk his safety for him to go out and show off these abilities? And that's the beautiful thing because he even then tells Clark, it's going to be up to you. You're going to be mm-hmm. the one that has to make this decision. You're. It's going to be up to you entirely. And you, when that time comes, son, you're going to have to choose to stand proud with the human race or against them. And yep. that theme rings true throughout this movie through batman versus superman and even into Zack snyder's justice league yep it's it's actually amazing now looking at all these films now that we've seen them all and seeing how the themes go through each film did we lose you jared no, I've just been sitting here silently agreeing with you guys. Yeah. <laughs> oh, for sure, for sure. I was. <laughs> you guys are on a roll. <laughs> and I, I think that's honestly just kind of a testament to how much, like, you know, Zack Snyder really does enjoy and love and appreciate this character. I mean, it's 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 really no mystery. Like, look look at the movies he's done prior to Netflix. Like, he did Dawn of the Dead, and then after that, three hundred or was it the other way around? No, I think it was, uh, he did. Yeah, it was Dawn of the Dead. Dawn first. of the Dead, three hundred. Guardians of Gahul, and then of course you know Watchmen, right? Watchmen was the one that people were like, "This is different." Like it was mm-hmm. the movie that, that got him like the comic book movie cred that he's amassed today. And even going into Man of Steel, BVS, and then his cut of Justice League, like, look, I'm sorry, there's no other director making superhero movies like Zack Snyder. Straight up, nope. full stop. Okay, okay, you know what? I take that back. Matt Reeves might have come close with the Batman. True. Yeah, very true. It, he, he's come very close. I wouldn't quite give it to him, only because Snyder has f- four DC movies opposed to Reeves' single one, which, you know, is not really fair because I think they're, they're both really great. But, you know, overall, I truly don't think that there is another director doing superhero films like Zack Snyder. Like, he, he, he just gets it. He, he, and people always like to complain about his slow motion or, like, the, the, the edge to his films with these characters. It's like, no, he, he's approaching it 
from like one of the most realistic standpoints you could. I would even argue more so than Nolan, and Nolan had a pretty grounded take on Batman. Well, he's also approaching it from the sense that like these are comic book movies. The whole point is, I mean, one of the key things with comic books is the visual spectacle. Yes. So it's like, yeah, I'm okay with slow motion, beautiful shots. <laughs> like that's, that's to me, it's like, it's when you turn the page and you've got that full, you know, the two page full panel shot of something that's like really taking effect. That to me is what he does when he does his slow motion stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like. A perfect example would be the 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 close-up scene or the the slow shot of the entire league right as they're launching the assault in Russia and Zack Snyder's Justice League. That that slow shot, you got the Batmobile, yeah. Cyborg, Aquaman, Wonder Woman, Flash. That's a perfect still shot. It feels like an exact splash page out of a graphic novel. Yep. Or even like the 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 sequ- the slow intro shot, the slow mo freaking shot of. You know, you got Wonder Woman in the center, you got Superman to the left, and Batman to the right. Like, that that's the Trinity yeah. shot. I mean, yep. yeah, was it kind of semi-wasted in marketing? Sure. I don't care. It's still a great shot. It's still really well set up, and it's arguably one of the best shots in a comic book movie ever shot. Oh, and I'm sorry, too. The, the, uh, the Flashpoint moment in Zack Snyder's Justice League, that is hands down still, in my opinion, for me, that is one of the most beautifully shot moments in a film I have ever seen. That that flashpoint scene with Flash turning time back. Oh, where he yeah, the, the 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 enter the speed force. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That gives me goosebumps every single time. I adore that scene and I am so glad he got to bring that to us in the Snyder cut. I'd say that the Wonder Woman reveal in BVS gets me every time. That's a good one, too. <laughs> you know what scene gets me every time? Which one? Why did you say that name? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yep. yeah. no. That scene gets me, and I, to this day, look, people can clown on it. People can make fun of it. People can say, oh, it's terrible writing. Like, sure, pal. Look. Mm-hmm. My best friend and I from kindergarten to now, like we grew up, our dads have the same name, right? And it's funny to me that that, that it's very rarely touched upon, but it, it's a fact. Like Bruce Wayne and Clark Kent, their mothers have the same have name. Have the same name, yep. And I'm really grateful that Snyder felt compelled to address that in this movie. And that's the thing that makes them go, oh shit, we're being idiots right now. Yeah. That that seems to be one of the bigger outcries I hear is oh he stopped because he's got the, his mom's got the same name They're like no you're missing the point yeah and it's True. it's more it's more the point that I, I can't remember who said I can't remember who has said it but it's a no shit moment for Batman because he realizes that this I think he brings it up in Justice League that this guy had a life here on this earth he had a family so this guy this suspected to be this alien the overlord this whole time is more than i thought he was like, there's more to him than i thought i suspected him to be so that's the, become the jesus moment for batman and that scene right there it's not that they had the same names for their moms it's the fact that this guy was more human than he let on to be i think that's from the theatrical cut not 
the Snyder yeah, Cut. Yeah, I think, yeah, Joss this league. But I will say that that moment is also the, the moment in which he realizes that, oh, shit, I'm Joe Chill. I'm being Joe Chill right now. And I can't let that happen because this is just not cool. But I think even even like just the, the, the fact that so many people just continue to like clown it and call it shitty writing or whatever. It's like it, it, it's a thing that's hardly even touched upon in the comics, too, because, you know, comics are comics and you can write infinite stories and take place in whatever continuity you want to take place in. But the the idea that Batman realizes not only in that moment is he becoming Joe, like he's embodying Joe chill, but in that moment he realizes like, you know, I've been wrong about this dude the entire time. Like this dude has a family. He has a mother who took care of him and Oh shit. His mom's the same, has the same name as my mom did. Like, yep. I think that if you're going to bring them together in any capacity, despite the fact that they have their very different perspectives on how to deliver justice, I think the human element is what you need to bring them together. And I, I applaud Terrio and Snyder for honing in on that one because, you know, I'm sure some jackass on Twitter could probably be like, well, I could do this better. It can just be done with the word justice. Da, 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 da. It's like, well, there's a reason why you're not writing for movies professionally champ. Anyway, yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just funny to me like you know the, these movies are meant to impact people and i'll even go a further a step further you know people always like to talk about the second week drop off people always like to talk about how this movie didn't make a billion dollars when i walked out of this movie for the third time i went back to my car and as i'm walking back to my car a mother and her child are walking out of the same showing that i'm walking out of and she the mom was kind of trepidatious she's like so son how how'd you feel about it how you okay and I shit you not, fellas. I shit you not. The kid goes, you know what? I'm really glad that Superman and Batman made up, and I can't wait to see Superman come back in the Justice League. And I'm, <laughs> I'm just like, well, shit. There it is. Right yep. there. Like, what more could you ask for? Mm-hmm. So what amazes me is that kids younger than me understood this movie better than half the dimwit critics and blogs who felt so compelled to shit on this movie before it even came out. That's what yeah. really chaps my ass about this, is that every kid, like, kids would watch this movie and understand it clear as day, better than some mook who's like, Batman doesn't use guns, Superman's not supposed to be emo, Zack Snyder doesn't know what he's talking about. It's like, okay, Devin Farachi, go back to your corner, shut your mouth. Yeah. I could say another <laughs> couple other names, but I'm not going to. <laughs> and and newsflash just because a movie makes a billion dollars doesn't mean it's good exactly Ooh, captain marvel avengers age of ultron i could go on of avatar yeah. you know oh we just recorded an episode if i can do a shameless plug we just recorded an episode of uh one year later of Zack Snyder's justice league and i <laughs> dropped the same joke i go not every movie makes a billion dollars is good look at captain marvel that movie sucks <laughs> <laughs> Timestamp that. My bad. No, you're fine. You're fine. I always timestamp these now for the sake of bleeps. <laughs> but you're right, Jared. You're absolutely right. And you know what's even funnier is the Batman. It's not guaranteed to make a billion dollars either. No. But is that movie being considered a flop? No. Nope. Nope. Yeah, that's what when I was in 2016, 2017, up until Justice League or Zack Snyder's cut came out i was defending these films and 
Oh, it flopped. I go, it made $800 million. <laughs> yeah, that's not it a flop. It made $873 million. It is yeah. not a flop. Yeah. And, if and again, too, if you look at it, you know, yeah, the critic response, you know, what is it? The 30-something percent Rotten Tomato score, whatever. The <laughs> audience scores were always pretty high on the film. Yeah, and Usually even despite the, the and, and even dis, despite the fact that it had a at sixty nine percent drop in the second week, it's like, you know what? The movie is their highest grossing opening of all time, mm-hmm. straight up. And yeah, sixty nine percent that's not good. There's no lie about that. But you know what? Mm-hmm. When you have such a targeted hate campaign, when you have all these critics, YouTubers, and bloggers going, Zack Snyder doesn't understand Superman. He screwed up Batman. It's, it's just, it's, it doesn't help. And people mm-hmm. all, people like to fall back on, well, it didn't work with the general audience. Well, it didn't work with the general audience. If that's the case, why is the movie still being talked about to this day? Why is the home release being more well-received than the theatrical cut? Why did Zack Snyder's Justice League happen? Gee, probably because Batman vs. Superman had, wait for it, an impact on people. You know who talks about Civil War? Not a lot of people. You know who's talking about Infinity War? Mm, not too many people. You know who's talking about Venom or Morbius? Mm. Oh, okay, I take that back. Because Morbius is about to hit theaters and people are kind of talking about it. But Venom came out three years ago. It was fun. It had a romp. It did great at the box office. Had shit reviews. Who's talking about it? Yeah. Nobody. You know, who, you, know, you know who talks about Batman vs. Superman? People who love it. And what's even funnier? People who hate it. People who hate this movie still talk shit about it every single day. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Matter of fact, I'm going to take pride in this. There's a cat on Twitter who has this Batman Beyond avatar. He's called Matches Malone, but his ad is like sell 8201 or some dumb shit like that. Dude constantly bitches and whines about Batman v Superman every single day. I shit you not, fellas. This cat does nothing but complain about this movie, and he's got a following for it. I'm kind of surprised, but I'm not surprised because people like being contrarians on Twitter. That's just the truth of it. But what's funny is... I called this fool out. I was like, why do you have to be so freaking negative all the time? Dude, mm-hmm. block me within an instant. I was like, W, I'll take that win. This is another gym badge in, in my Twitter Pokemon gym league. I'll take it. <laughs> no, seriously, it, it's just so funny to me that, I mean, it's funny and sad because people legit make a living off being contrarians and being shitty to a single movie and to a single director. Like, I don't think I've ever seen a director get as much vitriol and hate is Zack Snyder in the last couple decades no yeah I can't think of a director yeah I can't nothing comes to mind to the level that Snyder has gotten now I'll say this there is a director out there who absolutely deserves a level of vitriol a level of criticism a level of you're a shit human being and that's Mm -hmm. wait for it Joss Whedon yes yep Look, 100% agree. I thought The Avengers was cool. I can't look at that movie now after everything that's come out about that pig of a human. Like, I, I just yeah. can't. I, I will not. And people, to this day, people will still defend that sack of shit. And I'm just like, you guys just don't get it. You will never mm-hmm. get it. But no, the people who have worked with Zack Snyder have said nothing but nice things about him. But it's it's just so funny to me that so many people just feel so compelled to just trash this guy for no other reason other than he didn't make my 
my superheroes the way I wanted in my head. And it's like, you sound like a whiny little child right now. Be quiet. Yep. And look, to that point, I think there is a very huge difference between being constructively critical and just being an incessant whiny little wine bag about it. Like, the amount of whining I see about this movie on a regular basis is just nothing short of hysterical because it's just like, you, you just admit it. You watched the movie and you didn't understand it. It's that simple. Mm-hmm. Or you went in wanting to hate it. Like Devin Fracci. Like yeah. a couple other people I can, you know what? Screw it. Like Bill Ramey from Batman on film. Like Scott Mendelson. There are an abundance of people who legit went into this movie with preconceived notions and then they decided to write their stupid little review and be like, see, this is bad. We were right. And it's like, you know what? Eat a bag. Just eat a freaking bag. You're a soulless, spineless human being. You don't enjoy anything, and you're a terrible person. Hope you're happy with your shitty little blog or your shitty little review. Have a good day. Well, it's like what I told you. Um, I told you about this, film when I went to the fan screening for the Batman. And behind me, as as like I think we were like five minutes away from the movie starting because they put up the countdown clock to let yeah, you yeah, know yeah. when the movie was going to start. Yeah. And behind me, I hear this woman, she's sitting with this dude, and she goes, she's like, man, I hope this turns out good, but I really think this is just going to be absolutely terrible. And dude turns at her, and and I could hear it in his voice. He's like, why did you even come then? And she's like, well, because I'm excited to see it, but I just, I don't know how they're going to get this right. And dude is like why are you even here? Like, why did you accept my invitation to come see this? If this is how you're going to be. I'm like, you're at the fan screening. This is for people who are like legitimately excited and interested to see this film. Mm-hmm. And you're coming in here just going, that's ah, probably going to be terrible. You know, my friend, a good friend of the show, Mike Snyder, he saw the movie week, a week or two before all the shit came out. I, I don't envy him, but I'm so happy for him because this, the same the same thing happened with uh, Zacchaeus on and Bride Hall prior to Solo coming out. Like I, I really do love it when people get to see these things and they're fans of it and they enjoy it and they get to enjoy it before all the bullshit gets to come out. Mm-hmm. And even like with the Batman, you you know, you just mentioned you heard that at a fan screening. At my fan screening, I didn't get any of that. I was yeah. thankful enough not to hear any of that. And I enjoyed the hell out of that movie, and a lot of other people in my crowd did too. I'm pretty yep. thankful for that. But when it comes to this movie, man, I just I feel really sorry for people who just feel just absolutely compelled to just. You know, it's funny to me because another friend of the sh- another friend of mine who's on the Foreigners Network, Andre Nicotina, Nicotina Show, he posted you know Happy Anniversary Batman v Superman hashtag Restore the Snyderverse, and even some of the quotes were, oh, "Why that's a dog shit movie? Oh, wow, this movie so-. and it's just like why, why, yeah. why do you feel so compelled to feel that important to just chime in with your shitty two cents when it wasn't even asked for?" And it it, it just you- it just boggles my mind. I I don't get it. And people are complaining that fan screens and stuff will jokes on you. Warner Brothers already got your ten bucks or your whatever have you. So what good is it going to do you complain now? True, true. They got your money. What do they care what you think? I don't know. I just it's it, it never ceases to amaze me. Just the amount of 
improper, I guess, or not even inaccurate. The 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 inaccuracies that that just come with the complaint of this movie, and I'll never be not shocked by it. But I would like to get your guys' favorite moments of this movie. Jared, since you're our guest, by all means, go first. I uh, think I showed my cards already, and that would be the Wonder Woman reveal mm-hmm. uh, during the fight with Doomsday. I love that. And uh, I think another random shot I love the most was when I saw it in one of the trailers, is that when uh, Superman and Batman are actually fighting and uh, Superman goes to punch uh, Batman, and he catches his, catches his fist, and just that yeah. look mm-hmm. that Cavill gives mm-hmm. gets me every time. And uh, after rewatching the laundromat a few weeks ago, I still love that scene. Love the stuff with uh, Lex Luthor and Lois laying on top of the building. Mm. He's mm-hmm. doing That's his a good master scene. plan. Yeah. What is right. it? What does she call him? She says, uh, "You're psychotic." And he's like, "That is a three syllable huh. word for any thought too big for little minds." Yeah, and then he like gives a little tap on the forehead. <laughs> and I love what was he? What does he say when he throws her off the roof? Uh, the quickest route to. Uh, Superman is like down a little road called Lois Lane, and that's correct. <laughs> I probably butchered the hell out of that, but uh, something along those lines. No, that 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 was that was it. I think I think he says um, the quickest road to Superman is a pretty the, the quickest way to get to Superman is a pretty little road called Lois Lane, something like that. Paraphrasing, but I'm I'm not exactly sure, but yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with it. Uh, Craig, what about you? What are your favorite moments? Um, favorite moments. I mean, I already mentioned one, the opening. Um, uh, I, I absolutely adore the opening to that film. Um, other ones for me, uh, actually I kind of already said that one too. The, um, the talk with him and Alfred about how things have changed and how they're outlaws. And then, um, the other one, I mean, obviously the warehouse fight that, that warehouse fight is just, it's just on another level. Um, I kind of, am bummed that they revealed the whole thing in a trailer. I would have liked to have seen that as like my first experience watching the film. Um, but given what we saw, I mean, that warehouse fight between Batman and Lex Luthor's goons is just, that's just top notch Batman action there. That is a good fight sequence that, I mean, it's, it's top tier Batman action. How, how could you yep. not? Right. Like a matter of fact, that's still, I think, heralded as as like the the greatest action sequence from Batman. Period. Yeah, I would agree with it. I mean, the Batman had some really great fight scenes that I really enjoyed, but I just I knew going into it, I was like, it's going to be really hard to top that warehouse fight. <laughs> oh yeah. And you, the, even just beyond the fight, like you know, he busts through the wall. I'll kill her. I'll do it. I believe you. And then <laughs> blast him. Uh, the whole thing's just great. Which is also a homage to Dark Knight Returns. Yes, it is. And I loved it for that. I think my favorite moments of that movie, obviously, you know, there's the warehouse fight, but I do love when Batman and Superman legit meet for the first time. Like, yeah. When Batman's chasing down Luthor's goons to get the kryptonite, and uh, you know he, he's turning the corner right, and then then like there's Superman like standing in the middle of the road, and then you get the hymn of "Oh Jesus Christ," <laughs> uh, and like you know Superman just stands there, he's 
what are you going to do? Like, you're going to arm your car, sure, but it ain't going to do nothing to me. And then, like, you know, Batman breaks it, but he hits the, the car, hits Superman, right? And it, you know, fumbles into, into, like, you know, Gotham gas. And, like, Superman just walks over, pulls the top of the Batmobile off, and then Batman just stands up like, what? What's up, <laughs> yeah. dude? You want it? You got it. Let's do it, right? And then Superman goes, next time they shine your light in the sky, don't go to it. The bat is dead. Bury it. That, that was a big line. The bat is dead. I love that line. And he's, and he's just like, consider this mercy. And Batman just responds with, tell me, do you bleed? Mm-hmm. And Superman just like looks at him like, are you serious right now? Like, <laughs> yeah. did, did you not see what happened to your car? Like, do you know what I can do to you? And he flies off and Batman's like, you will. It's like, oh, 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 oh. And actually, also... so that was another favorite moment of mine uh, just before that. That whole chase scene is great. Yeah. I love that car chase scene. Well, piggybacking off what you were saying, Phil, uh, I do like that line when they're fighting and uh, Clark tells him to stay down. If I wanted it, you'd be dead already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Batman uses the smoke grenade first to fake him out, and Superman goes through it, of course, because he falls for it. And then Batman hits him with the kryptonite grenade, the kryptonite canister. And that's when he goes, breathe it in. That's uh-huh. fear. And it's like, whoa. <laughs> like, B- Batman pulled no punches in that fight. And that fight was pretty awesome, all things considered. Um, another one of my favorite moments is towards the end, where Superman goes to confront Lex Luthor. And, you know, he's in the, the, the Kryptonian ship. And Doomsday is about 30 seconds away from coming out of that pod, right? And, and Superman flies down. And the, and the timer goes off. And... and um, Luthor goes, uh, he doesn't say lately, but he says something to the effect of, like, out of time, out of something, and then one bat head short, and then he gets a phone call, right? And, and then uh, yeah. Luthor, Luthor goes, oh, break the bad news, and Batman goes, I'd rather do the breaking in person, and it's <laughs> like, yes, yes, <laughs> this is Batman and Superman going up against Lex Luthor, yes, yep. and then Superman goes, You've lost. And and Lex Luthor goes, hmm, I don't know how to lose. And it's like, oh, hmm, that's Lex Luthor. Because Lex Luthor does not know how to lose. Mm-mm. And then he even goes to prove his point. He goes, I don't hate the sinner. I hate the sin. And it's like, yep. this is my favorite thing about this version of Lex Luthor. Is he actually accomplished what Spacey and Hackman could not. He yep. won. He actually managed to kill Superman. And what's even what's even better about that scene, despite everything that Luthor did up to that point of the movie, despite everything, despite how despicable and evil and maniacal and puppeteering he did, Superman still saved him. Yep. Because, mm-hmm. you know, Doomsday cuts out of the pod, comes, like, fists up and just proceeds to, like, punch at Luthor, right? Because, you know, it's a big monster born on the first day. And Superman saves him. And I, I'm just like, see, that's Superman. But yeah, I think I think that would probably be some of my favorite moments of that movie. And then, you know, of course, you know, Diana's entrance was great, too. Um, I would also say that... Oh, what's another? You know, actually, uh, the final speech that Bruce gives at Clark's funeral about men still being good. I, I love that part too. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's a very powerful moment. It completes that arc that they're out for, that they're set out to make for Bruce. That it's almost like what, what I, I believe you guys talk about what Pattinson's Batman goes through, how he needs, he knows he needs to give more back to Gotham. It's, it's that arc that Ben Affleck's Bruce needed. And that's where we landed with Zack Snyder's Justice League, thankfully. And that that's another thing I think about, too. Like, the backlash of this movie and the fact that it was $125 million shy of a billion was really enough for, for executives to really start sweating and being like, oh, man, we screwed up. It's like, no, you didn't. The only thing you screwed up was a man's artistic integrity, and you should be ashamed of yourselves for it. But I digress. That That's a whole other conversation for another day. Um, I feel like that this is just... I think we could all probably talk about this movie for hours on it. Like, there's, there's an endless plethora of things to constantly bring up. And honestly, it's something else just hit me, is that, you know, Zack Snyder is very adept in performing these parallels in between movie to movie. Like, for example, when Jor-El fights Zod in the very beginning of Man of Steel, and Zod whips out that little, um, the hand sword that, you know, kind of comes out Black Manta style, and he impales Jor-El. Well, that is, again, mirrored in the end of Batman vs. Superman, when Doomsday impales Superman with the Doomsday arm sword bone thing. I don't really know what it would, you would call it, but that. Um, there, there, and that's that's abundant throughout a lot of the that trilogy if if you pay close enough attention. Yeah, and then it comes back in Zack Snyder's Justice League with uh, Aquaman impaling Steppenwolf on the trident. Oh, very true. I didn't even think about that. Or like, um, oh, I just had it and it just escaped. Okay, so when Doomsday lands in Heroes Park, and then Superman follows it up with him right and they fight in heroes park that is again paralleled in Zack snyder's justice league when superman is resurrected lands in heroes park and then the rest of the justice league have to face him that was one thing i i probably loved most about dvs was that we finally got a different superman villain like a, all the love of the world to general zod and to uh, lex luthor but we finally got doomsday and I, in a way, I do kind of wish it would have been like hidden in the trailers because I remember seeing the first trailers with Doomsday. I'm like, is that, is that Doomsday? Mm-hmm. All, all right, but then with think of the people that read comics know what with Doomsday. Like, okay, they're doing Death of Superman. Like, when you see Doomsday pop up in a movie or a show, like you you know the arc they're going for. But I, I do I do give a mad prop so for like including Doomsday. They'll give us a different Superman villain for a change. And you know, a lot of people feel like that was burnt too early because they want this like, you know, really drawn out story where he sacrifices himself at the end and like it culminates in all this shit and you got all the you know, the DC universe mourning his loss and shit, and it's like Yeah, I get it. But you know what? At the same time, and I, I don't even want to like even speak on the studio's behalf, but from what I recall, they've been wanting to use Doomsday since Superman Lives with, you know, Tim Burton and Kevin Smith, like going back to the 90s after they were trying to figure out what to do with Superman. 
you could argue <laughs> that like that that, that that was a thing that they they could, wouldn't necessarily forced on Snyder, but they were like, hey, can you can you use this villain? And I I recall that the conversations, and this is from Snyder himself. I don't remember which interview it was, but him and Terry were like they th- shot around like Brainiac, Metallo, which hey. Those are really great villains for Superman. Those are probably some of the most iconic Superman villains you could name. Who's the biggest one? Doomsday. Yeah. After Lex mm-hmm. Luthor, it's Doomsday. Yep. In terms of impact, the, 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 who else could you possibly do? Right. I remember. Um, I remember when those trailers were first coming out. I remember my theory, and I think I told you this, Phil, back back then, that I thought the route they were going to go with was that. It, even though they kind of looked like Doomsday, I thought they were going to go the route of like kind of maybe like a Bizarro situation where like Lex uses the DNA from Zod and somehow creates this like evil Superman. And then eventually as the film progresses, this evil Superman degrades basically into Bizarro in a, in a sense. But then I thought about it and it's like, eh, your average person, they're going to have no way. They're going to be like, Bizarro who? That's the ironic part. They kind of splice Zod, Doomsday, and Bizarro into one one character, mm-hmm. yeah. which I find funny as hell. And truthfully, like, I'm I'm not at all burned by it because, look, when it comes to adapting these characters and when it comes to live action forms, if you're lucky, you'll be able to redo it. Like a character, for example, like the Joker. That's one character you could probably reinvent and redo from momentous amount of time whereas something like dark side something like doomsday something like mongol something like cheetah something like black man oh well black man is coming back in the aquaman sequel so probably not him um like Ares or um even poison ivy mr freeze sometimes there's only you're only gonna get the one shot if you're gonna go for it go big or go home exactly so, again, I'm I'm not at all mad. I I've been on record saying multiple multiple times, like I th- I truly think that that Batman versus Superman: Dawn of Justice Ultimate Edition for sure is a perfect marriage of some of the best elements you could pull from the Dark Knight Returns and the Death of Superman. But you know that's just my opinion. Yeah, the only thing that I had wished that would have been in that film was during the fight between Batman and Superman, I was really wishing it just would have been like perfect for me is when he had Superman on the ground, he's got the spear ready. I was really hoping he was going to do the, like the one man who beat you speech. I would have loved to hear Affleck say that. That would have been cool. Not going to lie. Yeah. Well, gents, as I mentioned, you know, we could, we could obviously talk about this stuff all day, but yeah, there are, there are some other things on the docket. Um, Misha Collins was recently cast as Harvey Dent in um, the Gotham Knights CW show, which, how that happened, I don't know, because I know Two-Face was a pretty big contender, not only for, um, you know, Batflex Batman, because he does make the mention of, you know, 20 years in Gotham, how many good guys are left, how many stayed that way, like very mm-hmm. well could be an implication towards Harvey Dent Two-Face. I know a lot of people really want to see Two-Face in The Batman, which I think is absolutely plausible and possible. 
but um, given what happens at the end of that film exactly absolutely. exactly and the fact that they've got an actor like misha collins portraying this character in this show which up until this point i have had almost little to no interest in but the fact they've got him as two-face i'm like well, okay i i might check out the pilot now mm-hmm. yeah i've been on record i just i usually don't care for a lot of like the shows that come out of dc just they just never really seem to vibe with me. But this one, I'm willing to give it a shot, knowing that Misha Collins is going to be Two-Face. Hey, they can't be much worse than Gotham. So. Yeah. <sighs> that show. <laughs> that show. I can't stand that show at all. <laughs> I jumped off after season two and they killed off Paul Rubens. <laughs> yeah, that was goofy. I don't know why they decided to do that. Yeah, I'll I'll never Yeah, I don't I don't know. Gotham is just, you know, if if you really want me to go full unfiltered, just just ask me my complete and honest thoughts about that <laughs> show. I will not hold back. It it is just oh. not pretty. Well, I've heard it. <laughs> that suit. <laughs> yeah, that suit. It's terrible. You know what's not terrible? Batman the Animated Series. Yeah. Nope. Um, so, you know, as anyone who's been listening to the show, we've been watching Batman the Animated Series on HBO Max. And um, we are now up to the point of the episode. I think it's if the HBO Max listing. I'm pretty sure this is episode 13. Yes. Yeah, we're on 13 out of how many for season one i think like 26 or some shit like that i don't know let's find out season one definitely has the most episodes that it does because i think it takes the first two and kind of splices them together as far Mm -hmm. as episode count goes so yeah we're, we're as far as the hbo max listing goes we are in episode 13 pov this is the first episode to introduce renee montoya as far as this is concerned and um Craig, what about you? How did you feel about this episode? Because um, I got a lot of notes about it. Um, I thought it was good. Um, I think so far, compared to all the ones we've watched so far, mm-hmm. definitely, it's. I would say it's the weakest out of everything that we've seen at this point. Um, it's still a good episode. It's just kind of the layout. I get the idea of the episode, but just... The stakes just didn't seem that high to warrant this structure, I guess you would say. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, good episode. Nothing nothing that I'm going to remember. That's fair. Uh, Jared, what about you? First impression, thoughts on POV? Um, I think today was the first time I've seen it in a while. Uh, I know, I know it, remember it being one of the first times... Uh, Montoya being on my radar as a major player in the Batman mm-hmm. universe. 
But uh, the impression I got today watching it, it seems like an episode you probably appreciate more as an adult. Because when you're a kid, I, I grew up watching Batman the Animated Series as a kid. I'm just like, I'm sure all of us did. Because I think as a child, you're going to be sitting and watching this episode. Hey, where's Batman? I want more Batman. Like, why is he fighting the Joker or Riddler or whatever? But it, I think it's an episode you tend to uh, appreciate more as an adult. I, if we would have gotten the Gotham Central before it switched over to an Arkham-based series, it, this would be something I wouldn't mind them tackling. Like, uh, uh, not necessarily this episode point for point, but something along this line, you know? Oh, yeah. I agree. I agree. Hundred percent. That was that was pretty much my take on it. Is that and and that's what I explained to Phil earlier. Is that had this been a a situation where they were all giving their interpretation of like, oh yeah, this is we saw Batman fighting the Joker, we saw Batman fighting, you know, the Riddler or something along those lines. For it to just be these like kind of no name thugs and mafia guys just just made the stakes feel not that important. Right. You know, I'm kind of with Craig on this in that it 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 the episode does kind of breeze through a little bit. I'm not even going to call it a slow burn because this movie the wow movie this episode is very explosive to some extent or another, mm-hmm. but not in the sense that it leaves you wanting more or less. It's just the, the literal contents of the episode are, are literally the you know, there's explosions happening. There isn't a big bad as far as the villain's concerned, even though I think the, the main boss almost looked exactly like Clock King, weirdly enough. Yeah. But I did like that this was the first introduction of Montoya. I did like that the episode starts off with like being a, a perspective of choice between, you know, Bullock side of things, Wilkes side of things, Montoya side of things, and how you kind of see this this journey that Batman goes through, you know, between saving Bullock's ass and having Bullock lie about it. Then he goes to save Wilkes butt and manages it successfully. But then we get to Montoya and you know, he takes out the whole burning building and like he gets stuck in it, only to find out like after all this is said and done, like the lieutenant and Gordon are like having it, having it out. Like, well, who do you think's right? I know none of my cops are dirty. It, it, it. It's not that the episode was terrible or uninteresting. It was just very much a far cry and big difference between what has been shown up to this point now. Yeah, I mean, leading up to this episode, we've had the Scarecrow's introduction. We've had Mister Freeze's introduction, which is honestly one of the best animated episodes of anything i've ever seen you've had face as well yeah you've had clayface's origin you've had poison ivy's origin i mean so many of these iconic characters and then they're like all right so here's a a whodunit episode with these like random goons (laughs) it's like ah that kind of derails the the thrills i did appreciate getting another ron perlman cameo in this though yeah forgot about that who does he voice i don't remember uh, in my head. he's credited as the driller so he's the creepy looking guy with the drill at the the big so, guy oh okay yeah that makes sense that makes a lot of sense yeah you know this also did showcase like a a big difference between like you know montoya and her rookie partner as well as like bullock who kind of skirts the line of being a decent cop but also not being a decent yeah. woman which when he was talking about how, you know, he 
he saved Batman's butt. And it's like, you see how it actually plays out. It's like, okay, champ, we, we get it. <laughs> I, I think it plays perfectly for, uh, I wouldn't say, uh, for Bullock's with distaste for Batman. I don't think mm-hmm. he flat out hates Batman, but, um, I think one thing that's always stuck with me about Bullock and I really, one thing that really irked me when Gotham first came out to bring it back to that real quick is as much as I love Donald Logue as an actor, I hated that they made Bullock dirty in that show. Mm -hmm. And and one thing that always stuck with me was when Paul Dini was on uh, fat man on Batman. And I love his description of, of Bullock is that Bullock is tough, but he's not dirty. Which I think that I think the animated series does like a good job of that. It's like, yeah, he's a tougher, he's got rougher edges for a cop, but he's not dirty. Yeah, that was always my thing too. That's what I appreciated about Bullock is he's he's kind of a doofus, you know. He's he loves his food. They always do those jokes like him in the previous episode. Every time they tried to like run off to go do something, he'd always be the guy that goes back and gets one more donut. Like that's. That's kind of part of his character. He loves his food. He's kind of a jerk to people, but he still cares about what he's doing. And that's the that's the big thing is like, yeah, he's he treats people kind of mean. He's kind of standoffish, but his heart is in the right place. He still wants to catch the criminals. He still wants to protect people. He's just kind of a jerk when he's around people. And I think, too, like that also is actually now that I think about it, thinking about this episode, it this is a good episode to bring someone like Montoya in, who is very headstrong. She she knows what she wants to accomplish. She's here to do her job, make sure people are safe. So for her and Bullock to have this kind of like conflict in this episode does work really well for what they're trying in the story that they're trying to tell you could you can quite tell that if you look back to birds of prey this is almost if you compare how montoya is in this to how uh, rosie perez acts her in uh, birds of prey it's almost like it's lifted right from the like it's cut from the same cloth yeah very headstrong very dedicated to what she's doing doing the right thing uh stand up for what she believes in so and then you have this case you have this rookie cop that's in the middle of them who's just like trying to take in the fact that he's encountering the batman for the first time very interesting to see that wasn't it like having bullock just kind of twist the narrative a little bit to yeah fit his to make himself ambition. look good right and it's like well clearly you're you're, you're kind of full of shit there based on everything that Montoya says about what happened with Batman and how, you know, he came in after allegedly not, you know, being saved by you, Bullock. But, like, I found it interesting. Um, Overall, I'd probably give this episode, like, a four out of five bat wings. That's kind of where I landed with it. Uh, I guess I'd be... I'm just a slightly little bit less. I'd say, like, a three and a half. That's fair. I'd be about the same as Craig. I did like that how Batman and Perlman's goon fought on a forklift, and then that forklift winds up going into oh, yeah. the boat. That was dope. Yeah. Oh, and there's also a shot of like Batman in the dark where his eyes squint, which looks amazing. Mm-hmm. I, st- I still love 
stuff like that in the in in this animated series. And that quick little moment when Batman's driving the forklift, you hear the Danny Elfman theme for just a few seconds. True. True. Anytime, true. I mean, anytime you can throw that that Danny Elfman theme in there, I'm going to be on board. <laughs> yeah. All right, Jared, did you have a rating for POV? I'd say about three and a half, like Craig. Okay. So we're at three and a half, three and a half, and four. Not too bad. Not too bad. So for anyone listening, anyone following along, our next episode's following POV. The next one up is Clock King. After that is The Last Laugh, followed by Eternal Youth. And then um, 17 and 18 are the Two-Face two-parter, uh, part one and part two. That The episodes are titled Two-Face. So super cool stuff. I love... I'm actually really looking forward to the next three episodes. I haven't seen the Clock King episode in a while. The Last Laugh, it's a Joker episode. You can never go wrong with that. And then Eternal yep. Youth, I distinctly remember watching on repeat as a, as a child because that's one of my favorite yep. Poison Ivy episodes. I've seen Eternal Youth so many times. Always wish I could have eaten those, uh, whatever those like cookies that they were eating in that oh, episode. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> they look so good in the episode. I'm like, I want to know what the recipe is. Yeah, but at the same time, I don't want my... My blood turning into wood. So, <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. want to turn into a living tree. Yeah, I'm good off that. Despite how dark those might be. I usually go back to last laugh quite a bit. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, that'll that'll be not the next episode, but the one after that. Then, and that's even if we decide to do one episode each, which so far so good. We've been doing that proud of myself for the consistency and i'm proud of you guys too <laughs> thank you and you know you'll get a download out of me whether you do it in a couple episodes or not so well, it's always appreciated jared thank you very much uh well before we wrap this bad boy up there was one last thing that happened to drop today that i know damn good and well my two boys here are ready to talk about because we haven't talked oh, about yeah. it yet and um you know craig and i we did a review of the batman We've talked about it since then, and I, I have made it well known that based on the description of this deleted scene from the Batman, that I would be a lot more inclined to like it more than what was presented at the end of the film. Yep. And sure enough. I remember that, that was one of the only spots I remember when you and I were talking about the movie. Both of us were kind of like, eh could have done without that little scene at the end yep but then you watch this sequence and yeah. that whole thing yeah. changes and look yeah. the, the the fact that this scene dropped today i'm just kind of over the moon about because this sheer idea of like batman visiting the joker and arkham hannibal lecter style yes huh? all the yes Yes, please. I'll get two refills on my copy cup for this, please. <laughs> to get his opinion and get his viewpoint on this other psychopath that's causing problems in Gotham. Right. So when the movie officially came out, the Ratalada sign, its website, whatever the hell you want to call it, the, the promotional website used to uh, promote the film, had a lot of riddles, Riddler riddles on it. Today... It's, this started yesterday. There was a countdown from like for 24 hours, and then once that was over, you had to answer three riddles, and they were all very Joker centric, right? Like the first answer was Joker, the second one was Ha, and then the third one I believe was Punchline, and then that leads you to a YouTube link where you can legitimately watch the deleted scene 
from the Batman, where Batman does in fact interrogate the Joker, played by Barry Keoghan. And holy shit, I just keep thinking about like, you know what? If this tested better with audiences, fine, cut it, whatever. I don't really care. I want to see where this this specific scene is slotted, and I'm almost positive I know where it's slotted at. Because... Yeah, see, that's what I was trying to figure out, too, is where did this take place? And I think I have an idea about where they were going to place it. It's got to be, in my opinion, it's sometime after the mayor dies. Or no, Sorry, not the mayor. It's and sometime, the commissioner. It's sometime after the commissioner dies, because the commissioner is the second victim. Yep. And it's got to be the second... It's got to be after the commissioner dies, but before Gil Coulson gets blown up. Before the funeral, yeah. Right. That's my guess. And I'm just like, oh man, this would have made that ending piece so much more worth it. And look, yep. I've even seen the sentiment of like, you know, you, it, w- this would have been one interrogation scene too many. It would have been this, that, and the other. And it's like, uh, for me, nah, I'll take mm-hmm. all of it. I would have taken it happily wherever it was in the film. I would have loved to have seen this in the movie. I mean, because it's this is a detective story after all, and if he needs to go and talk to an inmate to find out his an inmate's opinion on another psychopath that's going around the city, then he would obviously go to see that inmate. So, I mean, it's kind of warrants an interrogation scene. Right. And it's not quite the same interrogation sequence as the Riddler. And no. look, I love the interrogation sequence with the Riddler. I think it's one of the best things about that movie. After seeing this, I just I just keep telling myself, like, I wish this was in the movie. And I'm mm-hmm. kind of hoping that there's an extended cut of the movie with this sequence intact. I almost feel like that's that's the goal here. That's why they released it like this. I mean, to give us, like, the full deleted scene. Right. I feel like that's going to get, we're going to get, like, a director's cut with this scene in where it's supposed to be. I, I seem to, I've I've listened to a few reviews now of the Batman, including your guys's and a few other shows, and um, I seem to be like one of the few people in the face of the earth that didn't get spoiled about Joker being in this film at all. I, I don't know how I avoided it, but I I was pleasantly surprised when that scene popped up at the end with him and Riddler. But I think after watching this lead scene today. I would like it in there more for the fact that now it's shown Joker playing both sides. So now, yeah, he's, well, for lack of a better term, helping. I use the word term help Batman in quotes. But now, and you flip it around to the, at the end of the film, now he's butting up with the Riddler. So now he's playing both sides of the, of the game here. Boy, yeah. yeah. I mean, because to the Joker, this is all just one big game. He's just, he's here to have the, fun of it well like and what one of the first thing batman even says to him like like joker asks him like what do you think i get off on this and batman goes don't you and what i think one of the things i love best about this too is it it they established that they had history yes prior to this instance without having to show it like not everything needs an origin to it. I, that's one thing I really appreciate about this lead scene too. Okay, these guys have a history in it. So was it one of the first things Joker says? Oh, an anniversary gift. That's Is paper. there a one year anniversary already? <laughs> yeah. 
Well, and the fact, like, and the design on him, too, is just, I, I'm really digging the look of him as well. I, I do remember reading an article after it came out that Matt Reeves said they're going for a Conrad V look to him from uh, The Man Who Laughs from the silent film from 1929, I believe. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And 1920s era. So I, I do appreciate that because that's one of the original inspirations for Joker to begin with was was that film. So I, I'm i all for it. And with Joker being my favorite comic book character of all time, I he's one of the very few characters I think you can do anything with look-wise and, it, and you could pull it off. I think for me, if I had any kind of criticism with it, I think the makeup is almost too much like Heath Ledger's. I didn't get that vibe off of it. Just just purely from the face. I mean, obviously the hair is very different. His hands are gratuitous, if not just outright filthy, which, mm-hmm. you know, if you look at, uh, I believe, Libra Mejo's, most of his Joker stuff, there, there's a there's a panel where the Joker is showing his hands, and they're very much in the same kind of disgusting, grimy vein. So when it came to this sequence, again, like, I'm kind of, in the camp that I, I truly think this would have helped the narrative a lot more so than what happened at the end. But yeah, the fact that Reeves was able to get away with putting in the Riddler, Catwoman, Penguin, and the Joker. Like, this movie is legit a modern cross of the 66 film minus Robin. Yep. <laughs> yep. And I adore that aspect of it. Like, he, he took all four of the big bads from that movie and integrated them into his own movie in in ways that you would think would be beneficial to the story that he's telling with Batman. And the uh, the, the whole exchange between the two of them, like it, 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 Batman's like, look, I don't want to talk about me. Let's talk about the killer. And Joker's like, why? You're so much fun. I love that. I love that little exchange they had. And I also love that the Joker basically calls them both out like, you know, you're afraid he's going to co- like you're afraid he's going to make you look soft. You th- you get so funny how much you two have in common. Mass adventures like the whole bit of it was really well done. And again, you know, I'm really hoping that his that year one story of how they met. I do hope it does get fleshed out in the Arkham series. I really want to see that happen. But if it just came to him coming back for a movie, I say save him for the third. That's that's my two cents on it. He does not need to be the sequel villain. This does not need to retread on the Dark Knight in any way, despite yep. what some people might think. It doesn't, and it won't. I, I just hope that that's not the case. And again, you know, I'm the kind of guy who's going to take Matt Reeves at his word because he hasn't given me a reason to not think that way. Yeah, it's just like what I, I said in our episode about the Batman uh, I agree too. I think he should be saved for the third film. You know, let give us maybe another scene or two with him in the second one, maybe kind of indicating what he's going to be doing later on. But save that for the the full confrontation, the full plot of whatever it is that he's got up his sleeves. Save that for the third, maybe final confrontation. I'd even be okay with him not being used as a full villain at all. I, the, just yeah. the fact that he exists in the world too, and he's had his tangles with Batman in the past. Like, I'd be okay with that too, just to know that he's there. Yeah, I can't disagree. I really enjoy that 
he is present in this world. Um, I'll take a cameo. I'll take a supporting role. I'll take a main antagonist role. Truthfully, um, preferentially speaking, I would really just like him to be more of a background supporting character like the Penguin was in the Batman. But that's also not to say that there's room for him to become a main antagonist in, you know, a third film. And honestly, if the, if the three films get received well enough and he doesn't end on a cliff, giant cliffhanger or not even cliffhanger, but like a nice little bow on things like Nolan did, I could absolutely see Robert Pattinson and a few other people's coming back for a four, five, or six. Oh, yeah. And if, if I read that article correctly, this isn't even him in his final form either, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Matt Reeves is been on public record saying that this version of the Joker was going to be a proto-Joker to some extent or another, which I'm not mad at. I, I wouldn't even mind if it if we were to get a fourth one if, if a cliffhanger at the end of three is either him escaping Arkham or him reaching his final form. If he stayed in the background until then, just made, a, made his little cameo here and there, and then the third one, it's him escaping Arkham or what have you, mm-hmm. instead of for fourth one, I'd be all good for that. I think one of the things I, I was sitting there trying to take a closer look at uh, the makeup and everything on them. Yeah. I, I really love the aesthetic of like him, him having very thin hair and having these burns all over his body. Cause you think about it, did he go, if he went down the route of how Joker becomes Joker with the red hood and everything falling the vat of acid, it's not just going to bleach your skin white and your hair green. It's going to burn the shit out of you. Yeah. Right. So I, I do love the aesthetic. So you get the burns all over his hands and all over his face and patchy hair. Like I, I do love that aesthetic. But Phil, you made a good point on how he does have the, uh, the, the I, I got some Heath Ledger vibes from the makeup, especially when you're showing from the eyes up. Like that, maybe a tribute to Heath Ledger's Joker. It's, it might be, yeah. But. With the look overall, I really had no problems at all. No nitpicks or nothing with it. I didn't have too much of an issue with it either. You know, I, I I enjoyed it for what it was. I think it looks pretty awesome, all things considered. Um, and I even Reese has met, come out and said, like, it's it's not quite going to be that of chemicals. It's also not going to be, like, slice his face up. According to Matt Reeves, you know, he has a congenital disease where he cannot stop smiling, and it's horrific. His face is half covered through most of the film when it's barely perceptible in the movie. Mariano's makeup avoids bites, mm. giving Keoghan an unnecessary righteous rictus grin. Might be righteous, I'm not sure. Uh, even when a character who has just a minimum amount of screen time, Reeves wanted to ensure that his film's Joker was imbued with a clear psychological motivation. So also extrapolated what would be what it would be like for a kid to be born with a condition which never stops smiling. That's a terrible thing to think about. So, yeah, so that's kind of similar to the aspect that they took in uh, Joker, where his his version, he had that condition where, like, he would laugh uncontrollably in, like, uncomfortable situations. That's interesting. Took the words right out of my mouth there, Craig. <laughs> yeah, Joker's fine. The movie, I mean. <laughs> that's kind of how I feel about it. Um, no, I, I think that what Keoghan did with, with what he was handed here, I'm, I'm a little disappointed it didn't make the final cut, but, you know, on home release, I'm sure it'll be ready, readily available. Um, maybe we'll do a watch party for that or, like, a live stream or maybe a commentary for it. I'm not really sure yet because the movie comes out on HBO Max in just under three weeks. So, yeah, 
time will indeed tell. But I think that is where we're probably going to put a pin in it. Gentlemen, do you guys have any last words before we sign off to our lovely listeners for the night? Uh, no, just had a blast talking with you guys. Jared, thank you for joining us tonight. It was a, it was a blast. Uh, thank you for having me, guys. And uh, I, had a, I had a ton of fun, and I love Batman. I'm pretty sure we all love Batman. But, yes, <laughs> thank you again, Jared, for joining us. It's, it's, it's always a blast being able to talk to you. Like I said, we'll have to coordinate with Melissa and get a get a giant crossover going at some point down the line if you're down. Always. 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 Well, Jared, since you are our guest, where can people follow along with you if they wish to, you know, interact with you on social medias? Um, on social media, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at QCA underscore Mista, M-I-S-T-A underscore J. All I really post is pictures of my beard or my cats because I think that's what the Internet's for. <laughs> um you can keep up with me uh, and my co-host Melissa on our podcast, the Nerd Out of Nations podcast. And if you want more Batman, our next episode dropping soon should be a one-year look back on Zack Snyder's Justice League and our thoughts of the Batman. So that'll be coming soon. Awesome, awesome. You know it's always a blast when Deathstroke and Batman take it, take it, take it up to, with each other. Hell yeah. It's like we're in a nightmare timeline working together. Yep. <laughs> well... That said, Mr. Craig, where can people find you on the interwebs if they wish to slosh anything your way? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram and now Twitter, um, both at uh, Craigie Omega, C-R-A-I-G-G-Y-O-M-E-G-A. Let me just double check that. Oh, look at that. You are back on Twitter. I am. Haven't made any tweets yet, but I am back on there. <laughs> oh, I just followed you, so there we go. Oh, um, sweet. Yeah, I'll try and get the let me get the podcast page to follow you too. Because when I looked the other day when you mentioned when we did our last episode with Terrence, you weren't there. But it might yeah. have been, that might have been like right before you officially brought it back. Before I clicked that create button. Well, you heard it here, folks. First and foremost, Craig is back on Twitter. And Instagram as well, Craig Omega. Um, if y'all want to follow me or any of my shenanigans, you can catch me just at Unfiltered Twitter, Vero Instagram. You can also catch me on the Four Nerds Network every now and again. You can also catch me on the ACS Universe on YouTube's every Friday night for the most part. Uh, you can catch this show on Podbean. You can also catch it in anywhere else you get your podcast fix. By all means, please leave us a review on iTunes if you wish or even Podbean. It greatly helps. It gets the show noticed. That's all we ask. Um, but that said, this is where we are going to put a smile on and walk away as we continue to bask in the greatness that is everything and all Batman related. Stay safe, folks. Take it easy, as always. And remember, vengeance. So meticulous. Like you've been planning this his whole life. I know.
and healed wounds, stolen one's money. Why is he writing to me? Maybe he's a fan of yours? <laughs> or maybe he's got a grudge against you too. Maybe you're the main course. Any theories? Not yet. Really? You're normally so ahead of the curve. <laughs> but something is different this time. This is very upsetting to you. Let's get back to him. Why? <laughs> you are so much more fun. I'm not here to talk about me. What are you here to talk about? I want to know how he thinks. You know exactly how he thinks. Have you read this file? You two have so much in common. Masked Avengers. So he's even more righteous. <laughs> Rainy makes you look soft. <laughs> You're wasting my time. to the eternal night this podcast is not affiliated with warner media or dc entertainment all thoughts shared belong to those involved and not the companies they happen to work for or be talking about drop us an email at eternal night pod at gmail.com or follow us on twitter at t-e-k underscore podcast thank you <laughs>